It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Help Desk for Thursday, the 18th of March. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. And Tess, uh, what's going on with our vaccines? Why haven't I been given a jab yet? Well, uh, you, I guess, uh, without knowing your full medical history, are probably a fair way down the waiting list. You'd be surprised. Uh, (laughs) But uh, just be thankful that you weren't working at a GP clinic yesterday, which were inundated with phone calls from people trying to book in for their COVID-19 vaccine after the federal government's online booking website failed to launch. Uh, the bookings uh, opened for vaccinations for people in the 1B group yesterday, but the government's booking page wouldn't actually let anyone make a booking online. The Guardian reports that the booking website instead told them to call their nearest vaccinating clinic to book an appointment. But the receptionists uh, told them that they couldn't take any bookings as they had not yet been told by the government how many doses they would be receiving. Uh, This article also notes that many of those people waiting on hold were in their 80s and aren't exactly expert tech users in the first place. Um, And at a press conference, Health Minister Greg Hunt insisted that the website had not been rushed and it was always scheduled to launch on Wednesday. So there are a lot of moving parts here uh, that haven't quite aligned yet. You'd hope uh, this wasn't a last minute website considering it's been, I don't know, a year in lockdown? Yeah, uh, who knows? Uh, It it seems like there has been some form of a communication breakdown between the actual clinics and the systems they already have in place and this other sort of centralised federal system. I can't access it uh, myself, actually, because I I think you've got to go through the Department of Health eligibility tool and then that, that takes you to a booking page. So, yeah, just have to be a bit patient for a bit longer. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I did see a lot of people on Twitter uh, saying that they were trying to help their their parents or grandparents um, today and didn't have a lot of success. Mm. Moving on, Instagram has a new feature to help keep the creeps away. Uh, Instagram now bans adults from messaging teenagers who don't follow them. The app will also now sh- show safety prompts to teens messaged by adults exhibiting potentially suspicious behaviour, offering uh, options to report or block the users. Instagram is going to give safety notices to teens, making sure that they know how to restrict, report and block users. The prompt also gives reminders that say things like, don't feel pressured to respond, only share with people you trust and your safety comes first. Yeah, so this got me thinking, like, what actually is the minimum age that you can be to be on Instagram? And apparently users have to be 13 and above, which 
you know, seems pretty young still. And also Instagram is apparently trying to work out uh, how it can stop people from lying about their age to stop, uh, you know, 11 and 12 year olds getting on the platform as well. Yeah, the, the official rule is for almost all social media networks is 13 because there's a there's a law in the US that says you can't advertise uh, to children on a platform if they're under 13. So uh, just to because they want to be able to advertise to every user, they they make 13 the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Meanwhile, Amazon has been busy building a colossal warehouse in Sydney's west, and it says it's just about ready for the robots to move in. The Fulfillment Centre will be Amazon's biggest in the Southern Hemisphere, covering 200,000 square metres over four levels, and that's about the size of 24 fo- football fields. It's going to be Amazon's fifth fulfillment centre here in Australia, but it's going to be the first one with the really good robots. And um, Basically, those robots do all the heavy lifting, uh, moving inventory inside the building so humans don't have to walk those 24 football fields. But the, the people working alongside the robots will be responsible for picking and packing orders and putting them in boxes. Uh, this massive uh, warehouse is expected to be completed for Black Friday sales in November and it's going to house 11 million items when it's finished. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, they're building a gigantic one on the outside of Melbourne, but it doesn't have any of the, the new fancy robots. Uh, this is this looks amazing and uh, I think Fox has a fantastic video on inside one of these gigantic mega warehouses. And, you know, you can go for miles without seeing another human. They're all just like crammed at the very end. Mm, at the moment, uh, well, the, the warehouse that they were showing media around this week uh, is just a shell. Uh, but they were talking about how, you know, how you've got to make it safe for robots. So the floor is very, very smooth. So uh, their wheels won't get caught on anything. It's purpose built for the robots. Oh, that's nice. I hope they let the robots join a union. Uh, moving on, Wikimedia wants to finally start charging big tech for the, the snippets and information tech uses in things like Siri search and uh, Google results. For years now, Wikimedia has given that stuff away for free. They give the big tech companies access to the fire hose of data that gets produced on the site. Today, the Wikimedia Foundation, which operates the Wikipedia project, has announced the launch of a new commercial entity called Wikipedia. Wikimedia Enterprise. This new service is designed for the sale of that data to these online behemoths and eventually to smaller companies as well. What's difficult about this, of course, is the millions of user-generated content that sits on the site. And so Wikipedia or Wikimedia is now asking the volunteer community uh, if they are allowed to sell to the Googles and the Apples of the world. It's a a clever move, I think, uh, by uh, Wikipedia because uh, IMDb, people probably don't remember that IMDb originally started as a fan-run user-generated site and when it became basically the the non uh, sorry the one-stop shop on the internet for movies Amazon came in and bought it and three people got really rich and millions of community members felt a little miffed so I guess this is what they're trying to avoid this time around what do you think Tess so they're worried that if they start charging for the content those volunteers will stop contributing is that it yeah, yeah, that you know the Wikimedia Foundation has always talked about being only supported by the users as well as like financially supported by the users as well as user generated. So, uh to go into uh into any kind of commercial lane, 
is seen as a bit of a betrayal by some of the like the the really old school guys. Hmm. Yeah, I think it probably isn't the same because they're selling it as a service, uh, which is already available. You know that that those volunteers' work is still being used by big tech and it's probably more of a stable income is probably a good thing for Wikimedia and Wikipedia in the long run. Absolutely, yeah. If I can go to Wikipedia without seeing one of those uh, please donate drop downs, then that would be nice. Yeah, I don't think uh, it'll be worth that much money to them. They'll probably (laughs) still be hitting you up. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, that's all we have time for for the help desk today. Thank you, Tess Bennett. Thanks, Peter. And we'll speak to you on Friday. Bye. Bye. 